1: Lake Vegas bound. I am Lake Vegas bound. That's the nothing personal word of the day. And that is what the Chiefs and 49ers are heading to Lake Vegas. You heard it right, not Las Vegas, Lake Vegas. They're not allowed to stay on the strip. I were team president of one of those teams. I'd be staying at the Marriott Grand Canyon. It's January 29th, 2024, welcome to nothing personal with David Samson. Got a lot to get to. Yeah, you're gonna get a recap of the two games here. Not gonna tell you exactly what happened because no one watching knows that the Niners and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. I gotta get right to Dan Campbell. I wanna get right to deciding to not kick a field goal when you're down three with seven minutes left and to go for it on fourth down, not to get it, lose the game, backdoor cover. God dang it. Losing a nothing personal pick of the day on a backdoor. I don't like anything backdoor. Unless of course, I had it. Every time a coach or a team does something that makes no sense to me, but is consistent with the way they've done it in the past, and it doesn't often make sense to me in the past, i go right to john stark's 1994 two for 18 game seven pat riley you dance with the people you brought to the dance that was pre-analytics that was his coaching philosophy this is what we've done this is what we're doing let the chips fall where they may dan campbell one of the most aggressive coaches the knee capper the Mia culpa where I told you he's going to get fired. I can't even believe it. He's ridiculous. And he's just changed the culture, which everyone says it's such horse hockey. They've won games under Dan Campbell. They have better players, better coaching, better coordinators, better owner, whatever the case is. And his aggressiveness is something that parry pursue. It is something that is agreed to in advance. He's aggressive, the GM's aggressive, the owner's aggressive. This is how we wanna play. This is what we think is correct. So at the end of the first half, you're at the two yard line. There's two seconds left. You can kick a field goal. You're up 21-7 to go up 24-7, or you can go for a touchdown at fourth and two and either be up 21-7 or 28-7. Dan Campbell thinks about it, thinks about it, and goes for the field goal. Goes up 24-7 and these stories. Oh, brilliant. You're up 14, now you're up 17. That's three possessions, because remember, every possession's eight points. Might as well go from up two to up three possessions. When you're gonna be aggressive, you go for the touchdown there. Then you're down 27-24 with the same situation a little further back, like at the 30. Seven minutes left, fourth down, go for it. Don't get it. Sam Fran gets the ball, scores, game over. And the way it's being analyzed is, and these are, you're gonna hear on all your other podcasts, all your other shows, and it's fine all the people who know so much about football and analyze it for you and break it down, play by play, frame by frame, giving you their 10 cents versus their simulations and versus their years of experience running a team. I get it, I do that for baseball. I'm in. But what you're gonna get is, hey, live by the sword, die by the sword type of stuff. We're fine. Or you're gonna get people who are playing, and Olson, Greg Olson said this during the broadcast, Side note, Coca, the fact that Greg Olson is being demoted for Tom Brady, when you look at the broadcast pairings yesterday, when you look at the scores of analysts out there, if you think Greg Olson is not the number one analyst out there on any network, and sorry, including what they have at ESPN, Olson is terrific. Being demoted because Tom Brady's getting paid and people are gonna tune in to watch Tom Brady with Kevin Burkhardt or whoever they match him with. So Olsen's breaking down stuff, talking about things, everyone's analyzing. And the, and the question is, how do you not tie the game? And people are wondering whether or not that kind of thing gets discussed prior to a game. So I would like to present to you pre-game inside front office, game planning, etc. There are certain situations that come in a game that even the best of front offices cannot prepare for before a game starts because sports is funny. Things just happen. And that's why you want a manager or a coach, someone who has the ability to process what's happening, someone where the game slows down, doesn't speed up. I felt as though for Dan Campbell, yesterday's game was speeding up. And if you talk to a player or a manager, when a game speeds up, you lose the ability to both perform well and make proper decisions. You're always trying to slow everything down. The analogy is you're trying to make the spin on the ball easier to see by slowing down the pitch. Make a 100 look like 70 so you know whether or not and where to swing. The game looked fast to me with under Dan Campbell. So seven minutes left, fourth down. That is not a situation that is not discussed prior to the game. It is not out of this world. Wow, that's insane. We're going for the tie at the end of the game. Do you want us to go for the win or go for the tie? Hey, we're down seven and we score and there's 30 seconds left. Do you want us to kick the extra point to tie the game and go to overtime or do we try to win the Super Bowl with our best two point conversion play? Oh, let me think about that when it happens. No, that is predetermined pre-discussed. Hey, if you're down three in the second half of the fourth quarter, we're gonna go for it between the 30 and the 40. We're gonna kick the field goal between the 20 and the 30. Whatever they decide, it's been decided. So I am not of the opinion that Dan Campbell, and I'm not playing the result, I'm not chastising him I believe that if the Lions are a well-run team, that that was a decision that was made before the game starts. And if that's the case, that's living by the sword, dying by the sword. Meaning you make your game plan, that's your game plan, you make the best decision you can before the game starts. Don't give me the, hey, we were up 24-7, then we were down 27-24, the momentum is theirs. If the momentum is theirs, something that you can't smell here touch or taste or see. Just don't want to forget that. There are 5 of them. Then you can decide at that moment. Decide how it see how it looks, how it feels, how it touches. No. Down 7, down 3 and at the 37 minutes left, we're kicking the field goal. So I'm not going to blame Dan Campbell. At all. Just like I'm not gonna blame Lamar Jackson at all. Or Zay Flowers. Is it ideal that Zay Flowers fumble the ball, dive into the end zone? No. As Coca said, and yes, for all of you who, I got a text from a family member, Coca. I didn't even tell you this pre-show. Hey, how's Coca? That's funny. It sucks when your team loses. It just does. You're the number one seed. You're so close. You've got the logo conspiracy behind you. Everything's great, it's Vegas, it's a CBS game. Not that Coco works for CBS, but whatever, his friends do. He'd have every opportunity to call out of work, but he's never called out of work. The guy produces this show with COVID, with itchy armpits. I mean, I don't know if he has those, but I'm just saying as an example of something that would stop you from doing a show, He nothing stops him. However, he also is a smart enough fan to look at that game and say, you know what, not happy the way Lamar Jackson threw the interception, but it is what it is. It's what I expect, it happened. Woe is me, cloud over my head. Here we go, Niners. So I was not interested in the Lamar Jackson can't win the big game conversation. I was not interested in The Mahomes, greatest quarterback of all time, but the stats are pretty amazing. He's gonna start four Super Bowls before he's even 30 years old. Never happened, ever. He's already behind only Brady and Montana for playoff wins, already. It's insane. It's their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Of course, it wasn't our pick of the day, but we damn well predicted that the NFL wanted Travis Kelsey at Lake Vegas with Taylor Swift. The Chiefs against the Niners. It's the perfect matchup for the NFL. There will be records. Wait till CBS announces how many people watch the Chiefs-Ravens game. And Fox announces the number of people. I believe and I assume... I think both games, Coco will be more than the World Series combined, which means they're both going to be over, you know, 46 million, I assume. But that wasn't the interest in part for me. I was far more interested watching that game, thinking about what it is to build and maintain a dynasty, to change teams during a dynasty, the chiefs and their defense, the chief's defense is spectacular. In a salary cap world, the point of a salary cap is supposed to be parity. There's supposed to be competitive balance. There's difference in asset valuations. There are differences in, in local revenue, gate revenue, ticket prices, all those things. But in a salary cap and salary floor situation, in theory, it's harder to have a dynasty. What the Chiefs have done, my chapeau has been tipped, and I hope you all feel the same way. They are gonna try to repeat, be the first team to repeat since the Patriots, I think that was back in uh, 03, that was around when the Marlins were winning the World Series, a long time ago, 20 years ago. Chiefs are trying to repeat does not happen often. That's not the definition of parity. What the NFL will tell you is the definition is the number of teams who make the playoffs, number of teams who are in the divisional round, then the number of teams in the conference championships, then the number of teams in the Super Bowl. And whatever statistic suits you the best, that's the one you announce to back up what you want. As confirmation bias, I want people to think there's perfect parity. Let's ignore the fact that the Niners are in the championship game almost every year, and so are the Chiefs. That means if you're in the AFC or NFC, instead of having a two in 16 shot, you have a one in 15 shot of ever playing in it. I guess that's how it feels in the AFC. The odds are not great. The last thing on that is for people who are going to be upset with Zay Flowers. I get upset with players when they self-inflict, you know, I don't like that. He cut his hand, slamming his helmet on the bench or cut his hand on the bench despondent with the fumble into the end zone or the fumble right as they were scoring despondent that he got called for taunting after that tremendous situate play coke and i had a disagreement about taunting i'd like to ask you your opinion on that if you're in the live chat nothing personal with david sampson or if you're listening or watching this later i'm just curious what your view is of taunting what you cannot dispute is taunting is a penalty because those are the rules. And what he did was taunting. You spin the ball over a player. You stand over a player. When you're watching a play and you're saying, get away, don't do it. It's my team. And you're so emotional about it. You know, something's wrong. You know, when there's roughing the quarterback. The question is, should taunting be a penalty at all? That's the only question that Coco was commenting on and thinking about. And... What the NFL's viewpoint was in making taunting a penalty is they view themselves as the moral authority. That's why we don't want people getting concussions. We don't want parents thinking that their kids are going to be imitating people who are bad sports. We want not robots playing, but close enough. We don't want to show the emotion because we want to make sure that what we're projecting is professionalism. Of course, we don't want taunting to lead to pushing and shoving to lead to a fight. But if that's the case, why not throw flags on what happened pre-game between the Chippy Chiefs and the Chippy Ravens, where they were fighting like in Slapshot, having a fight during the anthem. But no, that stuff goes undone. Speaking of the conspiracy, I felt that the game was certainly called Pro Chiefs, but I felt that the Ravens lost the game not because of the referees. Yes, the Chiefs got a bunch of holding calls, but so did the Ravens. The personal foul toward the end of the half was a little much. I think there were some calls that could have been questionable. But again, I was looking for those because I wanted to show that our voice crackling road referee was in favor of road teams, which is why he was assigned to the game. Is it a coincidence that he was assigned to that game? No. Did the NFL want the Chiefs to go? Of course. Of course. But they can't make Lamar Jackson throw across his body into triple coverage. They can't make the Chiefs make that play at the end zone, the defensive play against Flowers that was simply spectacular. So it's not that I'm going to tell you it didn't exist. I'm going to tell you that You cannot even, with its existence, make it happen. Guaranteed. So the teams are going to head to Vegas. It's Super Bowl. It's two weeks of insanity. The irony of the team staying in Lake Vegas and not on the strip is not lost on me. They don't want the players out clubbing and partying and being subject to all the craziness that will be in Vegas because they will be... Bussing people in to be crazy. Anything you want, you can get. The best way to not get is to not be tempted. Of course, you can bring the party to Lake Vegas, but it's a bit of a longer Uber ride. Vegas hoping to su- hosting a Super Bowl, having teams the way it does, trying to get a baseball team, which I still don't think is gonna happen, with hockey, basketball, trying to get in there too. This is a dream because the Super Bowl is for owners. The Super Bowl is for fans. The Super Bowl is for sponsors. Once you're not giving a home game to one of the participants, it doesn't much matter whether the game is Indianapolis. Ask LeBron James as an all star playing in Indianapolis versus New York. Are there more ticket requests in New York versus Indianapolis? Are there better things to do at night? Yeah, fine. But frankly, 20 years doesn't make a difference where you go. LA would be the one difference because he gets to sleep in his own bed, actually. But a neutral site game doesn't much make a difference for the players who are playing in it. Trying to remove the distractions outstanding. But the reason why they choose cities for Super Bowls is based on Believe it or not, way more so what owners want than what sponsors want, but just pretend it's almost 50-50. And owners have always wanted Vegas. Sponsors always love to go to Vegas, whether it is the rodeo or AVN, it's just, that's where to be. So if you want to get business done, you will be in Vegas over the next two weeks. All kinds of business. We are below 500 in the nothing personal pick of the day. We're now 15 and 16. We had a winless weekend after such a great weekend last week. We had the Bucks beating the Cavaliers two games in a row. I don't believe Doc Rivers even coached the Bucs. The Bucs did not beat the Cavs. They lost outright. Chiefs Ravens over 44. Final game was 17-10. It wasn't even close. Niners seven and a half over Lions was close, but it was backdoored against us. And the Ravens Niners money line was done because I didn't listen to my own absolute knowledge that of course the Chiefs are going to win. Of course the Chiefs are going to Vegas. So we're 15 and 16. Denver Nuggets lost by Knicks to lost to the Knicks by 30 points in their last game, which was a nothing personal pick of the day loss. We're going back to the Nuggets, and they're playing the Bucs, which could be Doc Rivers' first game but the Nuggets are only four and a half point favorites over the Bucks, so I'm taking the Nuggets. All right, let's move on to a commissioner. It was announced, was it yesterday or Saturday when word leaked out about Adam Silver Coke? I don't remember which day it was. But Adam Silver is going to be extended and the owners are gonna have him be commissioner through 2030 and we'd spoke a lot about when roger goodell got extended we talk about rob manford we talk about gary bettman who's been there for 30 years hard to imagine but true it is no coincidence that adam silver was extended to 2030 and it's going to be extended to 2030. you'll read mostly about the things he's accomplished in season tournament collective bargaining agreements labor peace all those great things that he's done, that he figured out a way to get rid of Donald Sterling and Robert Sarver, fantastic, that he helped spearhead the in-season tournament, this fantastic Lakers win, banner worthy, another piece of media property, that's the real thing about the in-season tournament. You'll read about that. You'll read a laundry list of things he's done. The reason why he was extended now is that the owners are sending two messages, one to the broadcast world and two to the players union. You think that you're gonna be dealing with a a commissioner does not have the full support of the owners and that when he's talking, that means we're talking And you cannot divide and conquer. If you think that's not part of the messaging that owners try to give through contracts to a commissioner, then you just aren't listening. That is a very important component of this. Consistency, continuity, trust, and overwhelming constituent support. That's what Adam Silver has. Does it help that the players like him? Does it help that he's looked at in a better way than some of the other commissioners? It doesn't hurt, but it's not dispositive. During the next term, Adam Silver's going to have to figure out the broadcast deals. He will. He'll have a few more franchise sales to oversee and think about as the assets continue to increase in value. He will have tweaks to the playoff structure. He'll have to keep figuring out load management. I was so angry coca Saturday night. I wanted to watch Embiid against Jokic. And my point was Embiid's never played in Denver. It's weird that he's never played in Denver. It's not great. It's a fun matchup. It was his fourth game in a row with knee soreness. Is there something to a player not wanting to play in a place? And I'm here to tell you that's a real thing. We have players who would say, I don't love pitching in that stadium. We're overly psyched out about a scenario or a circumstance. We have players who need to feel 100% for them to play, don't like the knicks and bruises, the things that happen during the course of a season. I gotta feel right. I gotta feel perfect. Of course, with Joel Embiid, the Sixers covered it up by saying, hey, we didn't like what we saw, he wanted to play. All of a sudden, Embiid has no power when it comes to one night in Bangkok where he's warming up and the coaches and management pull him down and say, sorry, you're not playing. No, no, I wanna play, I'm ready to go. No, no, you're not playing. Who wins that every time, every single time? Yeah, the player. So Joel Embiid certainly had an opportunity to play. There are times when you have to say a player's hurt and they may not agree to it. Did you see the video of, What's the name of the Chiefs player? Tony? Is that his name? T-O-N-E-Y? Where the Chiefs said he can't play, he's hurt, and then he did a live Instagram where he went nuts, swearing, angry, saying, by the way, I was not hurt. Don't know what you're talking about. So that is a sort of common thing that can happen where you have roster management issues or you have discipline issues and you want to put them on the injured list or you want to say he's injured because you don't want to give away other stuff that's actually happening you don't want to say they cut their hand on a bench or got into an accident on a moped on their property so adam silver is going to have to deal with load management he'll have to keep tweaking his view of that Because the NBA to me is out of hand. Any given day, I would not buy advanced tickets to a game. Hey, look, the Lakers are coming in. I'm going to get to see LeBron. You'd be better off knowing in advance and then buying tickets and flying the way Swifties do. Hey, it's cheaper to go see him in Atlanta than it is where I live in New York. Congratulations, Adam. He'll be at 17 years when this is done. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to review an Oscar nominee. And then we're going to talk about Vince McMahon, who at 78 years old, has quote-unquote resigned his position at WWE and as a board member of TKO. And you'll be interested in hearing why when we come back welcome back to nothing personal it's david samson with matthew coca please tell your friends about nothing personal keep it going we're starting a new month here and on thursday the end of my vegan month i'm going to get that new year's resolution correct been vegan since january 1 day 28 down nine pounds feeling good and i only know that because right before the show always after going to the restroom and making sure that every drip of water is off me from the shower true that thank you for your support of nothing personal let's get another record-breaking month i haven't heard from coco whether january is going to be record-breaking i hope it is because we've had a great streak of months of you telling your friends because more and more new people are watching it every day thank you we watch a movie every day it's oscar time we are over a month away from the Oscars, which will happen on March 10th, Sunday the 10th. Hope to have a really cool announcement about the Oscars. I mean, not the coolest, but the second coolest, strike that, the third coolest possible announcement as it relates to the Academy Awards. Of course, Coco believes that you care about the Academy Awards in the same percentage that you care about the, about tennis. I would be curious to know if that's true Marty Fish, who listens to the show, doesn't believe you, Coca. So I'm watching movies, both that are based on, that are nominated for Oscars, but also I'm still binging Lost. I finished season two over the weekend. Now knee deep into season three, can't stop, won't stop. 20 Days in Maria Pole is a documentary, 20 days spent behind the lines during the war in Ukraine. As it was starting, as it was happening, as it was coming to their back door. You could be cynical and say this movie's nominated for an Oscar because of its subject matter and in a left-leaning body, this is the type of movie you nominate. Yes, you'd be right. The subject matter is the purpose and the reason for the nomination. The movie itself, the documentary itself, is it one of the top five documentaries I've seen? (laughs) No. Am I clear of why it was nominated and that it could be in a position to win because of the subject matter? Although it's now only the second most popular, you don't hear a lot about Russia and Ukraine anymore. Hey, we got a new war to think about. So I'm gonna save you the trouble and tell you war stinks. Dictatorship, terrible. Occupation, troubling. The desire to rule over the world, scary. As a New York Jew, anytime I hear or think about even the remote possibility of one man, I'd say one man, woman, or they, but it's generally men, who have this desire to start with me and then continue with everyone else and eventually rule the world, Yertle the turtle style. I can understand the issue and why it's a popular documentary and the fear and the timeliness and the subject matter. But let me save you the trouble of watching it. There's behind the scenes footage because he's behind the scenes. It is clear that it disrupts your world and ends your world when a work is brought to your doorstep. It is also clear that it's not self-inflicted. Self-inflicted coca is what happened to Vince McMahon this weekend. The lawsuit came out last week, like a 67 page lawsuit. I love that. I love when the media tells you how long a lawsuit is, as though that is meant to directly correlate with how likely it is to prevail, or even better, how likely it is to be true. There are lawyers who write 100 page lawsuits that are the biggest crock of crap of all time. They're making up line after line, point after point, unwinnable. And believe me, for judges and for other lawyers, it's not all that impressive. Hey, look at me an eight inch lawsuit, eh, I've seen 12 inches before, only on TV, but I've seen thicker lawsuits. A 67 page lawsuit and they named the woman, so I can name her Janelle Grant. She worked for WWE and is claiming that Vince McMahon, several years ago, as a almost to be octogenarian, forced her into a sexual relationship in order for her to keep her job. And then worse, took pornographic pictures, passed them around to other men and other employees in the company. Can you imagine? And it's, listen, it's Dan Snyder asking for his own calendar from cheerleaders. It's Dan Snyder thinking that, you know, hey, come into my limo. Don't focus on the fact that Vince McMahon is 78 years old and you can't look at him without being sick because of all the work he's done to himself and how ridiculous he looks. Don't focus on that. Don't solely focus on his past behavior as a sexual predator. The fact that he's paid out tens of millions of dollars to women to shut them up and hush money was forced to step back from WWE, but he really didn't. Daughter came in and ran it, then resigned because she realized her dad was running it anyway. And it was part of a plan to get him back in a merged company. Remember the WWE merged. There's a new parent company, TKO. The Rock is now on the board, remember all that? Ignore everything that happened before. Because when you're a woman put in that position, you're not thinking to yourself, oh, this is what he does. This isn't easy because I criticize the other women, just say no. It doesn't work that way. Forcing a woman into doing something or an employee and saying, oh no, they were, then saying, no, oh, it was consensual. Either you passed around pictures or didn't. Either you took videos or didn't. Either her job was at stake or it wasn't. Either you farmed her out to Harvey Weinstein or you didn't. And yes, I know I'm mixing up my suits right now, but you know exactly what I mean. Vince McMahon, when these lawsuits came to light, had a couple choices, two choices only. Pound my chest. This is absolute extortion. I'm not moving. Second choice, damn it. Got caught again. Nothing I can do about this one. Done. I'll resign. Here's what actually happens. It's now a public different board, different company. Victor Vince McMahon is not in his prime the value of the company is no longer dependent on Vince McMahon. The power of Vince McMahon, the power of the man or the woman, assaulter, whoever it is, the power of the assaulter is in the power they have currently. Not what they used to have. Then you just become irrelevant, Mr. Irrelevant trying to hold on. And I don't mean those are the people doing the assaults. I'm saying people who are, commissioner emeritus or people who are of counsel. When you're pushed out, you're pushed out and you become less important. Vince McMahon in the newly formed company was really not anything. Vince McMahon has family members, still a part of WWE, of course, as you know, but it's a totally different, Circumstance. It's like all the movies you see when it's the old grandfather figuring out where he's gonna give his money and everyone's fighting for the inheritance. And everyone's just like, all right, wipe grandpa's mouth. He's got food on it. Wipe his nose, wipe his tushy. Keep him going. Succession. Do you know what happened really in the Vince McMahon situation? Really for reals? is the board and the sponsors said, eh, not worth it anymore. He's not worth it anymore. Hey, Vince, you gotta go. That's really what happened. It wasn't Vince who saw God and found God and said, oh man, I got caught again. I gotta resign. TKA group, TKO group, who is now the parent company of WWE as part of the merger. They had to come up with a statement and they did. It was great. Mr. McMahon does not control TKO, nor does he oversee the day-to-day operations of WWE. Don't you love that? Wouldn't it be great if a company came out with a statement that said, God, is that reprehensible to force a woman, especially an employee to have sex? God, is that a joke to, take videos or take pictures and send them to employees or farm her out to employees or other men. What a nightmare. What an absolute bastard. No, no. Just so you know, he's not even part of our company. (laughs) Why then? Why are you even talking? What's your purpose of making a statement? Just remind me again, please. Mr. McMahon does not control TKO nor does he oversee the daily operations of WWE. Phew. Now let's separate ourselves even further in our statement. Ready? Well, this matter predates our TKO executive team's tenure at the company. (laughs) I love that. It's like when there's pedophilia. Hey, that was under a different priest. How about talking about protecting the kids first and then worrying about whether or not you were there. Now I'm the first guy to say I wasn't in Florida when Stanton got traded, or I wasn't in Florida when Jim Leland won the World Series. I'm happy to tell you when I was and when I wasn't running a team as it relates to things that happened on the field. One time World Series winner, not two. Happy to do all that. But if something came out that a previous player had done something, and it's happened to me, where we've had previous players who have gone to jail or been charged with, with crimes, my first line is, He's no longer a player on the team. It's so funny. This happened before I was there. But don't worry, TKO has your back, all the women out there, and all the men who wanna make sure that their women are taken care of, because while this matter predates our tenure, we take Ms. Grant's horrific allegations very seriously. Few would hate it if they didn't take them seriously. What's the opposite of that? These allegations, we take them like a joke, like sort of a ha ha funny joke. And the good news is they're addressing the matter internally. That means they're, Coca, I'm very sorry, no extra cash for us this month. They're not going to hire Samson Coca at law to do the investigation. They're going to address it internally. They're not going to do squat. Hey, Paul, can we do anything? What, what should we do? Paul, by the way, is the son-in-law of McMahon. He's married to Stephanie McMahon. He's the former guy from Royal Rumble. He played Triple H. He had great, great statements too. When asked, cause of course he's gonna be asked. Hey, we had an amazing week. We did the 10 year, $5 billion deal with Netflix. Rock joined our board. We sold out Royal Rumble. He said, this is so good. I choose to focus on the positive. Yes, there's a negative, but I want to focus on the positive and keep it to that. I would always tell my owner and I would always tell myself as a team president, Hey, don't, don't say that because people want to focus on what they want to focus on. You have to address it. They want to focus on, Hey, what are you safe? Are you going to keep working? Did you see any of this? Were you one of the employees who were offered? Were you sent anything? Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, does he have a car? No, no, didn't happen. I have a new nickname for Stephanie's husband. I'm gonna call him Ostrich. I call a lot of people Ostrich. Don't worry, it's not unique to you. The reason I call him Ostrich is that his head is in the sand. It's all good. We're being pelted, but don't worry, my head's below sand. All right, Coca. Play me some music, please. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Good afternoon, David. Hello. This person got to me, I think, through davidsampsonpodcast.com where you can get our merch and you can also send emails, ask questions or on Twitter, David P. Samson had a funny weekend engaging with everyone good afternoon david what possible benefits are there for the tigers to offer prospect colt keith who has zero mlb experience a contract with a guaranteed value of 28 million dollars well thank you for your question let me just catch you up on what happened we covered the story of the brewers player who got that 80 million dollar deal the biggest deal effort the guys never played one game Remember I did the whole segment saying you better be right unless you're the Braves and you sign everybody. If you're only going to do one, get it right. So the Tigers drafted this guy in the fifth round. He's a like top 30 prospect in MLB. Has performed well, double A AA and triple A. Went up to the player and said, hey, We'd love to lock you up. And the player said, all right, tell me what's going to happen. I got to get paid now. How about $2 million now? Well, that'd be amazing. I only got $500,000 when I signed. Paid taxes on that. My salary, I haven't even made it to the big leagues, but in the minor leagues, I get like 12 grand a month. That's not so great. Big leagues, it's pretty cool to make 750 grand, but that's all I'm going to get. I'm not going to make real money till I've been in the game for three years. Arbitration. Yeah, tell me again what you'll pay me this year. Well, Colts, we'll give you a $2 million bonus, and you know what? We'll give you a $2 million salary next year. Wait a minute, what? No matter if I'm in AAA, AA, or the big leagues, you'll give me $2 million salary? Guaranteed? And by the way, that's way higher than the minimum? Well, what are you gonna do the second year? Hey, we'll give you $3 million. No freaking way! Year two, I get $3 million. Generally, I get a little raise. Maybe I'll get part of the bonus pool, the are pre R bonus pool but even if I'm the greatest of the great I'll get a million bucks extra so I'll make 1.8 next year well I'm way ahead of the game what about the third year what are you gonna give me in the third year well listen how about five million dollars get out of town I'm in like Flynn well you know you'd be eligible for arbitration after three years maybe even in your third year because you're gonna be a super two maybe no you won't be Do you know when a player starts the season on a team and they've never played in the big leagues? After one year, they've got one year. After two years, they have two years. In order to be a super two, you have to have played two plus years. So he will not be a super two. He will only be an arbitration after his third full year. Three years. Okay. What do you make an arbitration? You've got to be a performing major league player for three years, the best of the best, an all-star, maybe even an MVP candidate, have a postseason, some accomplishments, and then you can make five million your first year of arbitration. What in the name of holy smokes is Detroit doing? All right, what about his free agent years? What about the option years? Ah, there's the rub, mate. When you sign a guy to a, 22-year-old prospect who's never played, and you give him a six-year deal for $28 million. That's not the story. The story is you're getting player options, uh, excuse me, 4869. The story is that you're getting team options that would take away a player's free agency that would be earned through six years of service, and the free agent years are the low years. So 10 million, 12 million, 14 million, it's the Yelich contract that we did. Some work out, most don't. When you offer a player and then you make an announcement how amazing it is and how this shows our commitment to our community and how this is the person we're building around, it's total horse hockey. It doesn't mean anything. We say it to you because we want fans to think, wow, we've got a great farm system and look, we're spending money. You're wasting money. Pay a player for what they've done. Oh no, we've got the best analytics department in the world. As a matter of fact, the team would tell me, were you to ask the GM of Detroit or the owner of Chris Illich, he'd say, David, you don't get it. This is the best business move ever. Look what we're going to get him. And I'm going to say Colt Keith is going to even play into free agency. What are you Zarnack? How do you know for sure when so few players do? But then the Tigers have a chance to drop the mic if they want. And they can just say, David, I'm happy to give him extra money now to maybe save money later. If not, if not, if not, we spent a few extra million dollars, but you know it's just business. I'm sorry you disagree with me, but it's nothing personal.
0: mypatriotsupply.com